0: greetings everyone and welcome back to the random history podcast when i last left off i essentially concluded with the conflict inside of germany and the connected theaters now i'm going to devote this podcast to the conflict outside of germany as i previously mentioned during my earlier podcasts all three of them in fact why this war could initially be considered a german civil war in essence it soon escalated outside of germany and was fought in other provinces you got in battles in the Netherlands, both Spanish and the, um, independent parts, you got battles in France, you got some stuff basically throughout, you got battles up in Denmark, so now I'm going to focus on a couple other of the major theaters, this would majorly, this will mainly be a bit of outside of Europe, which is not that much, a bit of conflict in Catalonia, and primarily to focus on Northern Italy, remember, for much of the European wars, Northern Italy would prove to be a pretty big theater, as a lot of nations at this point held small holdings to significant holdings in that chunk of Europe, because Italy at this point was just like Germany, a series of ununited united f- states and little area, so a lot of people had stakes there. And at this point, northern Italy had been contested by France and the Habsburgs <laughs> for centuries, as this area was vital for control of southwest France, which was an area that had a long history of opposition to the central authorities, which was an area which co- traditionally resisted, or sometimes not really cited, or even sometimes just kind of ignored the wishes of the... F- French government and they wanted to make sure that they had a stronger hold on it, because Southwest France was a- on the Mediterranean, which made it so that it was very useful for Mediterranean trade and other actions in the Mediterranean Sea. And why France was the dominant power in it- Spain? Sorry, was the dominant power in Italy at this point? It had a pretty big weakness, it relied on some pretty long exterior lines of communication, and these were very vulnerable to attack, and this took a while to operate, and sometimes you could even have issues with basically, oh look, these this our roads of communication run through territories, what if our enemy captures them? For example of this would be the Spanish Road, which I previously mentioned, that was that overland route which was responsible for them moving supplies and people from Naples and Lombardy and Italy to Flanders, and at this point, the French policy is, okay, we want to disrupt this road whenever possible, and they would do a variety of ways. Sometimes they would block Alpine passes, and sometimes they would even attack the Duchy of Milan, and at this point, another thing that was important was the Duchy of Mantua. And when the direct male line, which is basically how the line gets passed down, became extinct in December of sixteen twenty seven, both powers became involved in the so called War of Mentuan Succession from sixteen twenty eight to sixteen thirty one. And this was actually conf- this this situation was actually complicated by another state in the area, Savoy, who wanted to gain territory. However, France soon took the open op- open hand over Savoy as they stormed several of their positions and managed to lift one of, a siege on one of their holdings while also besieging and then capturing a Savoy holding. And soon enough, for instance, Savoy would make peace in the April 1629 Treaty of souza And this would be pretty bad for the Spanish as it would give gave French troops passage through Savoy and recognize the control of Cassol and Pinolera, which are some areas in there. In addition to this, and these were fortresses, and control of these made it so that France essentially had control of the Piedmont. And this protected the Alpine passes in the southern France, which could have previously been used to launch different invasions essentially at France. And soon enough, they could threaten Milan at will, and Milan was essential for the Spanish holding that line and this which would make the Spanish even more worried and soon enough. There would actually be plague outbreaks between 1629 and 1639, and these would be made worse by all this troop movement who were basically spreading the diseases, and you'd see 60,000 die in Milan and around forty to 50,000 in Venice with similar proportional, not like similar numerically, but proportionally similar losses elsewhere. And this combined with all this diversion of these Spanish of these imperial resources caused by that Swedish intervention into the war, this led to the Treaty of Turesco, Which essentially. Halted the conflict between Spain and France at this point. And at this point. Um, this led to the French candidate from Mantoux. Confirmed as the Duke. And though the the French agreed to return. Evacuate one of the fortresses they held up in there. The one at Plain Rollo, This was later secretly returned. And with the exception of that six. 1639 to 1642 Piedmonti Civil War. The French had the position secured in northern Italy for the next twenty years. And now that I've focused on the Italy conflict, I'm going to focus on the the conflict in Catalonia. So as I previously mentioned, throughout the 1630s there was a tax. There was a tax revolt in 1640, and this came as a result of increases in taxes by the crown as they wanted to pay for the cost of the war in the Netherlands. In this point, this led to protest throughout Spanish territories, and Catalonia actually support. No, sorry, Richelieu, the French minister, actually promoted these attacks and these revolts as a way of his diverting the people. And soon enough, they actually prompted the rebels to declare the so-called Catalan Republic in January of sixteen forty-one. And the Madrid government reacted pretty quickly. There, they had like an army of around twenty-six thousand or so. The revolt, and by the twenty-third of January, they defeated the. Catalans at Martorell, and at this point the French persuaded the Catalan records to re- recognize Louis Thirteenth as their ruler and by this point within three days the combined French Catalan force would defeat the Spanish at Montjuic which would secure Barcelona however the rebels did not really like French control it turns out as the French administration differed very little from the old Spanish administration this ended up turning the war into a pretty much a three sided contest. You got the Franco-Catalina lead on one side, you got the rural peasants on another, and then you got the Spanish. However, there was very little sp- kind of fighting after France took control of, Perpignan and Roussillon, and this is essentially established the modern border as we see it now. Those territories were actually previously held, or these those areas along that border. would kind of be fluctuating, so there were, but after this point, the modern Franco-Spanish border which is seen today in the Pyrenees was established. And in 1651, however, French recaptured Barcelona, ending the revolt. But at this point, French had made some significant territorial gains. Now I'm going to focus on the conflicts outside of Europe. So in 1580, King Philip II of Spain became the ruler of the Portuguese Empire. This is when Portugal joined the Spanish throne. And between 1602 and 1663, we had something known as the Dutch-Portuguese War, which became as, as first as an offshoot of the Dutch fight for independence for Spain. And even after the Union, however, the Portuguese ended up dominating the Atlantic slave trade and the triangular trade. As they were the ones who really exported all those slaves from West Africa and Angola to work their sugar plantations in Brazil. But in 1621, the, as part of that escalating Dutch conflict, the Dutch ended up forming the West India Company. To ended up challenging this control, and they'd actually captured the Dutch... The Brazilian port of Salvador in sixteen twenty four, even which would then be recaptured a year later, but they managed to take over part of Brazil and take it a Dutch a Dutch colony for around twenty or so years, and this has kind of bothered the Portuguese caused some issues with them, and this would be followed and kind of accompanied at the same time almost by the struggle for control in both the East Indies, which of course are those islands really like that. Think Oceano, think Indonesia, the Philippines, Borneo, all those little islands in Indonesia. All those little, yeah, all that stuff pretty much. And in Africa, this led to a lot of Portuguese resentment against the Spanish. So they felt that the Spanish were really prioritizing their own colonies over that of the Portuguese. And in the end, the Portuguese would retain both Brazil and Angola, but the Dutch would gain significant gains. They seized the Cape of Good Hope. Which is where South Africa really is today. And Cape Town's pretty close to that area. They also took Swedish, not Swedish, Portuguese possessions in Malacca, which is in Malaysia. They got the Malabar Coast, which is part of the shoreline of India, the, the Maluccas, which is another archipelago of islands, and Ceylon, which is a pretty big island. It was very useful for them. Now that I have concluded the outside Theaters of War, I will end this podcast, but I will be back soon with another podcast on the losses of the war and then on the, actually no, I'm going to focus on the Treaty of Westphalia first, and I'm going to focus on the repercussions of the conflict. Thanks for listening, y'all, and once again, this was the Random History Podcast.